Welcome to the School of Calisthenics podcast with your hosts, Tim and Jacko. In this week's podcast, we're talking about Tim's favourite subject, and that is all things handstand. So it is just the Tim and Jacko show, no guests needed, because we have the head of handstands at the, human, uh, at the School of Calisthenics here with us, Tim Stevenson, to delve a little bit more into understanding the detail of how best or our, uh, our way of deconstructing and then reconstructing how to learn to do a handstand and all that is involved in that. So you're excited for this one, right, Tim? Thank you, David. It's a great pleasure to be on the podcast. <laughs> that was my guest voice. Uh, no, I'm buzzing for this one. Keep the guest voice more. all the way through. The keep guest voice. <laughs> it will turn into a dodgy Borat impression before long. Um, no, I'm massively looking forward to diving into this one. And yeah, the most amount of fun you can have with your hands is a handstand. Um, potentially that might mean I'm doing other things with my hands wrong, but that's something we can talk about offline. And probably with, not with you and my wife, that would also probably be, a, 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 yeah, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it, whether it's the most exciting thing you can do with hands, it's certainly something extremely good you can do with your hands that can, uh, uh, particularly if you're self-contained, uh, isolated in the current situation that we're most of, the majority of us in the world are finding ourselves in, having to stay at home and actually train at home. Handstands is one of those great things where you can train at home. It doesn't need any equipment at all. It's not just good for your physical health and that you're um, training as part of that, as part of that exercise regime. It's actually fantastic for your mental health as well. We're learning a new skill that's doing all sorts of amazing stuff in terms of your brain plasticity. And um, it's also good to have a, have a goal and have a purpose that you're going to work towards. So we're actually launched a campaign called handstand up to covid didn't we tim and that was a very clever name i'd like to say i came up there but i didn't yeah that's right as we mentioned previous in this podcast i think that handstanding is the most fun you can have with your hands and whilst you're stuck at home with loads of time on your hands what you need is something fun to do so the handstand training course has been upgraded revamped revitalized rejuvenated and some other re's jacko which means <laughs> it's super exciting that people should check it out. And there's a low packed into this one, right? We're going to we've got launch offers. We've got a nice little charity sort of support package coming with it as well. So Jacko, over yeah, to you. No, Tell us a little more about it, it. So exactly. Well, we're as part of this whole campaign and through throughout the whole of April, all of um, the, the, the money generated from the virtual classroom uh, and memberships within there, we're going to donate 10% of all of that for the whole month of April to charity, um, to the, the, the National um, Health Service, so the NHS, as well as a local charity to us, Robin Hood, um, which is a local Nottingham charity sort of close to our, our own hearts and our own home. Um, and for you looking to get involved, the handstand program, you can buy it as a one-off um, and it's £50 as a, as a program. But what with the offer we've got for you is 50% off your first month's standard membership or VIP membership in the virtual classroom. That means you can get this brand new handstand program so you can join in with uh, the handstand up to COVID as well as all the other programs inside the virtual classroom and the educational content, webinars, etc. that come with it. Um, and that standard membership starts uh, at 9.99, but 50% off means that you're getting it for less than a fiver. So for me, Timbo, that is an absolute no-brainer. 
yeah, so we would love you to come and check it out. There's so much stuff in there. As I said, there's a lot of new content. It's completely regenerated. And when you're at home and you need something to keep you occupied, learning a skill is such a good thing to do because you can do it in small doses. You don't need any equipment to do it. And it's going to keep you actually moving forward in your training during a period of time where things are a little bit disrupted. And you are going to be helping people on the front line of both supporting communities and in hospitals to um, to try and get on top of this uh, the disruption and disarray that has been caused by the coronavirus. Yeah, and hopefully I have a little bit of fun with us whilst you we having well, all that fun on your hands, Tim. Hey, um, so make sure you do check out the uh, the link for uh, the link for details for that is in the show notes along with the discount code to get fifty percent off your first month's membership. So do check that out in the show notes. Shall we crack on with the podcast, Tim? Let's crack on with the podcast. Roll that jingle. So let's dive into the podcast and the, the, the job for Jack and I throughout the next sort of half an hour or so is to take you on a bit of a tour about why we train the handstand the way that we train it and some of the additional things that we found out as a result of our research, both practically through our own training, but also consulting the scientific evidence base to find out how we can most effectively go about learning what is a complex skill. We're going to get through all that in 30 minutes. Just a quick, just a short no. one then. <laughs> We're never going to get through no, in 30 we are. minutes. The, the intro is 15. I like to set us uh, some expectations and some parameters to work within, even if we crash them every time. Anyway, so we're going to dive into this one. So we've got a couple of different things to start um, talking about. Jack, give us a bit of an overview about how we sort of coach the handstand from a workshop perspective. If people have been to workshops, they'll know about it, but how we've kind of taken the process of that complex skill and how it looks like in terms of actual practical training session. Um, so it's sort of practical. I like to use this analogy of... Um your, your sat-nav when you're trying to get into a car. You're, if you get into your car and you go, right, I want to go to wherever it is, the first thing, there's two things that that sat-nav needs to know. One is it needs to know where you are, where your starting point is. So it, 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 it sets your location. And then the really, really other big important thing is knowing where it wants to go. So what is the end destination, the postcode? And we sort of, and then it manages to figure it out during the, the, the route um, between those two points. Now, for our handstand, we do, this, we do the same thing. We go, we need to have a starting point, and that's for us as like the bottom uh, position, thinking about the bottom up. So that would be our frog stand type position, where we're just getting used to being on our hands, but we're taking away lots of the other difficult variables that you need to try and control in an actual handstand because the body is in a, this like sort of tight ball and we're close to the floor, and it doesn't require loads of shoulder range of motion or anything like that, but it's getting us started, and it's getting the brain used to being... Uh, used used to using your hands like your feet. Um, so that's our starting point. We would then go to, and, and give the brain that idea of what is this end point, this end destination, the sort of postcode, if you like, of where it's trying to get to. So that's where we would use the wall and we're quite, um, we would openly sort of use the wall both way around in terms of walking up as well as kicking up for various different reasons, which we can talk about later. But then it gives the brain that uh, that concept of, okay, this is where we're trying to get to. This is the ultimately supported by the wall, but this is the end shape that I want to be at, and I can build strength during that process to get there. And then where the sort of all the the hard and those two bits we can get on board with quite quickly. The the hard slog and the uh, the frustrations often come out in piecing those two things together. But that would be where we try to 
to make uh, to marry things up in the middle with this sort of inverted uh, chair position, aka originally called the Stevenson chair back in the day. We haven't used that term as much recently, but um, it's basically a tucked handstand where the shoulders are doing everything that it needs to do in a full handstand uh, in terms of being in a, in a shoulder in a fully uh, overhead position, so fully flexed, and uh, but the knees and legs in tight. So we're just reducing that lever length um, so that those that variable is is uh, shorter and therefore less difficult from a balance perspective to get into. But it's one of those shapes that people have when they haven't been there before. Um, often it it's, feels like an alien type of position. That's just that we don't really have a catalogue of movements where we've been in a position like that, and therefore it's because it's brand new. Um, it's never it doesn't sort of feel right, and we have to give ourselves some um, options to piece that little bit in the middle together. But um, that's what we try. That's what we try to do um, from a sort of top level when we're teaching people sort of hands on at a workshop. We go have us somewhere to start, where we're going at the end, and then how we're going to piece it together in the middle yeah, i think that's a really like it's a great explanation and, and a simple way of breaking down what we what might come across in this podcast is some fairly sort of heavy um sort of motor learning and motor control science and if you have when i first started getting into the research to understand this area more like it's flipping mind-blowing because there's so many theories around how do we go about learning complex skills we only know a sort of a fraction about how the brain works and how the nervous system works and these things come come together but what we found by that is is this is what jack is talking about is based on a principle called neural chunking and it's the same thing applies for any complex skill whether you want to learn a 20 piece piano a 20 minute piano concerto even down to sort of riding a bike uh, for many kids is, is is based in neural chunking like jack's got a little um balance bike at the moment so he's i've seen him go through the, the basic stages of bringing it all together we don't just chuck him on a bike and then push him off and hope he's gonna sort of be all right because he's not he doesn't like, he doesn't have the skills to be able to ride a bike so we break it down into 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 manageable chunks and what we're doing in a handstand is exactly the same thing by removing some of the variables it allows us to focus on the, the, the smaller number of, of things so that might be staying close to the ground it might be getting put into the full position and then ultimately as we build, build competency in those different chunks we can then start to connect the dots and bring it all together so it's a really sort of effective process. You've also already done, everyone's got context of doing this. When you first learned to walk, it was the same thing. When you learn to read, for example, we've, we use a, something in our, in our workshops where we can throw up a sentence without all the, out of, with all the letters missing. You might have seen these, these things. And as long as some of the key landmarks are in there within the words, you can still read it because your brain is recognizing patterns. And, and one of the things which is, it, yeah, I mean, yeah, Jacko, Jacko relies on this phenomenon. I often send those to you because I don't know whether you know that you've spelled it wrong. And I do, every time I do it, I'm like, oh, I feel bad. People uh, comment, like, put comments in the below. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so one of the things that's just interesting to touch on before we kind of move on to um, a little bit about the process of how these things are going to fit together as a whole is this process of myelination. So by breaking these these uh, complex skills like a handstand down into these manageable chunks, we have an opportunity to start to improve the ability of the brain or central nervous system to communicate with the system or the wider system. So using our neural system to communicate with the muscles to create the right corrections to learn the paths. 
Um, and what happens when we've got these messages coming from the brain and the central nervous system is they travel through our, through our neurons. And our neurons are, get wrapped in something called myelin, which is like, it's made of cholesterol. It's a white sort of fatty um, substance. And it basically acts like insulation on, on electrical wires. So when you first start to try and learn to handstand, in that neural pathway from your central nervous system to the muscles, your neurons don't really have a lot of myelin wrapped around them because they don't, they, there's, there's no real kind of connection. So the first job is to connect some of these movement patterns together. And then as we start to do them more, what happens is myelin forms around the neurons and it starts to act like insulation. So it means that the message transmission um, is much more effective and efficient. And the thicker the myelin gets, the more established that neural pathway becomes. And then therefore we move towards having better competency and mastery um, of a skill. So as we do more practice, we get more myelin. Myelin speeds a transition therefore we, we, we get more um we, we, as i said we start to, to master these these stages and what we're doing with the neural chunking is not asking the whole system to try and link massive number of variables together at once we're breaking it down and saying just get this skill component mastered and then let's move on to the next one and let's master that bit and then when we've got those two mastered we bring it together so we've got these start and end points and then we connect the two it's a really effective way to learn a skill and it's the real sort of the most um, sensible in terms of fast tracking your way through a handstand to actually do it in a constructive and a structured pattern, which is going to build all the components that you need. So many times in, in things like handstands, people will just kick up aimlessly for a long time thinking that sooner or later they're going to nail this handstand. Well, that's like sitting down in front of a piece of complex music and just having a crack at it. Um, sooner or later, I'll get to the end, right? Without bodging it somewhere in the middle. So that's just like the, the, over, the overall process which governs um, how we kind of break down our handstand training process. Yeah, and I think that what the, what's nice about it is in something so brand new potentially, if you're anything like me and Tim, um, we have no gymnastics experience whatsoever when we started trying to do calisthenics and handstand six years ago. And well, we didn't have, we didn't have the process when we started. We were literally just playing around with it and seeing what happened and knowing whereas having a having a process that you can that you can trust in and that you can follow is massively important for your confidence and also your adherence that you're more likely to adhere to it when you've got something you can see where it's going and you can see that it's that it's well thought out and has rational and, and reason to it and nice little the nice thing about it is well, those little steps along the way so you get those little wins as you're working through it rather than waiting to the end so you can do a full handstand. I think that's also you know, wrapped up in, in why that process is, is so successful with people. You know, people learn stuff far, far faster from, from following what we our programs in such a now than when we first met. Then you think about how we went about it um, when we first started out with no guidance or anything. We were just... We had a lot of fun doing it, and we were just exploring, but it wasn't um, it wasn't necessarily efficient. But I guess when you when you get onto the bit of talking about um, well, you might want to do it now about variability in that practice, that actually there's an element of that that can be that can be beneficial, right? Yeah, definitely. And and this exploration and, and one of the things around just building these chunks together, as you said, is that it's just it's giving you that reinforcement of the patterns along the way. But it also allows you to streamline the process. So we've done our, our handstand training program. The way that we've designed it is like 
really down to first principles. We've we've only included exercises that we that are going to fit around this uh, motor science or motor control approach to learning, um, because it's we wanted to get down to the absolute basics. So you, there are lots and lots of handstand drills that you can do, loads of them, um, and they will all have some merit of sitting within a structured program. But actually, what do you really need to do? Because a lot of people will be learning to handstand alongside something else and that's actually how we recommend it if someone says what should i learn what how should i start my calisthenics journey we'll often say well start your handstand because it takes time you're gonna have to put in some some serious um, consistent effort for this one and then train something else at the same time typically like a handstand program could be sort of just only if you ever want to learn to do handstands you're not doing anything else but most people don't train like that uh, and particularly in, in the situation where we are now uh, if it fits perfectly within um this self or this isolation scenario that we've got currently going on where you can do small doses of a skill acquisition process you don't need to do 90 minutes twice a week it's actually probably more effective to do 10 15 minutes four times a week or five times a week just smaller doses because you're not asking in the handstand it's not a strength-based movement a straight arm handstand to kick up you don't need a huge amount of strength to be able to do it some but not loads um so what you're asking your, your brain to do is to, to do this neural wiring. And just like a muscle, the, the muscle gets tired if you try and do 100 push-ups. You're going to get some fatigue and some, um, some stress within that muscle. Well, the neural system has the same thing. But you can't just hammer it for 90 minutes and expect it to carry on. So these small doses, even if you're in your garden, you go, do you know what? I'm just going to practice a couple of fog stands, 10 minutes. If you need to do some movement prep before that, you can do. But um, it, you can be quite flexible with handstand training. It's not huge, high-intensity work. If you do movement prep, it's going to make your practice more effective because you're priming your system. But and especially this is a caveat if you've got sore wrists or you've got potential injuries or, or any sort of pre-existing conditions that might call, might need a little bit of mobilization range of movement work, then yes, you definitely need to sort of spend a few minutes mobilizing those out. But most people can go and do a frog stand pretty cold for five minutes and not have any um, sort of serious knock-on effects as a result of that. Yeah, if you're not trying to work at your like hardest element of particularly in terms of strength for the handstand, um, it can be a great little tool to provide breaks from work, etc. And I know that for me, uh, having been how long have we been in isolation for in homes? Like we're sort of a week, well, a week now, I think. And um, yeah. I'm loving just like jumping up and just doing a few. Like we're really look really blessed at the moment. That, like the, the sun is actually shining in the UK and it's actually warm. Um, and uh, Jumping outside and just doing a few little bits and pieces, a few hat frog stands, a few little kick-ups, just a few things that could potentially be a little bit sort of like warm-up based, not too complex and not too strenuous in terms of a strength perspective without doing any like prep work. But um, that's a really nice way to sort of utilise little breaks within your day um, and get a little bit more total volume in of basically being on your hands. I think ultimately if you're going to handstand, You've got to spend some time in your hands. And so having a little bit more small amounts and often can work well rather than sort of hammering yourself all in one go. Um, and then the nice, the, one of the nice things about handstand is if you want to do a really well-controlled uh, look in handstand, you do have to sort out some of your mobility issues, particularly around the shoulders. And it then becomes a, a the carrot for that or the purpose and the reason for you sorting out that sort of tightness and postural control around the shoulders, spine, etc. Even your hips are going to come into play potentially if they're tight. And, um, and one of the things that that happens is as you cement that 
movement preparation into part of your practice and you'll you get better um, mobility in those areas and your shape becomes better as if you're do, as by by the fact that you're training in those positions you're going to generate that vital stability we need around the joint to um, to make that like a longer lasting change so that actually the amount of movement preparation you have to do later on into your journey compared to the start will be an awful lot less and then that actually opens up more avenues more doors for you to be able to do a bit more sort of like ad hoc uh, handstand training that can just be a bit of a fun to break up part of your day or something like that um, when you've been sat at your desk or whatever it is that, that you're doing so the, it is multifaceted the, the handstand and the learning process for it and that in, in that it gives it just literally it just keeps giving like Tim it just it keeps giving it keeps giving it keeps giving it gives you so much um, not just a sexy photo on the beach when you're next allowed to go on holiday which who knows when that <laughs> yeah you're right it does give you a lot and, and I think the other thing that's that if, that we've really done in this um that end up in this handstand program is brought in some some real variable training um, options and I've used that word variable I'm gonna have to use it again now because it's it's you can actually be quite flexible with handstand training strength training if I say, if you say to me what do I need to do a muscle up I'm gonna go you've got to do five sets four reps and you've got to go heavy and you've got to do that for 12 12 weeks to get strong strength is a really repetitive process skill movements are much more sort of um adaptable and flexible so there's one thing which we've included in the course where we, we, we this is again from the from the evidence base around skill acquisition and the difference between block and variable practice so block practice will be something where you're going to go right i've got a frog stand to do and i've got some wall kickups to do i've got four sets of frog stands so i'm going to do those back to back and i'm going to just have a 30 second rest in between and then i'm going to move on to the next exercise the same way that we would often train strength in a, in a sort of a standard training program Variable practice comes in when we're trying to learn a skill where we're actually going to challenge the central nervous system in the brain by jumping around between movements. So we might go one set of frog stand and then we might go straight into a kick up. Now, all of a sudden, like in, in block practice, what happens is the, the focus becomes quite internal and we're doing four sets of frog stand. We become very focused on what my finger's doing, what am I, I'm squeezing this, I'm pushing there. It'd be, whereas if we go for variable practice, the focus becomes more external. An external focus or attentional focus, as it's known as, um, for movement and skill development and just general kind of coaching science is way, way more effective and the research is there to, to support that. So because you've gone from a frog stand now to a kick up and then I'm going to go and ask you to do a side hop, your brain's being challenged all the time to think about just the external, more external cues rather than getting really internalized. And what that's shown to do is you're going to get much better adaptation over the long term, a much better robust movement pattern um, by doing variable practice as opposed to the block practice block practice might get you better at frog stand within one session but over the course of three months you're going to have a much much better um, results from having a variable approach to your training so we've we've constructed some of the training programs within it around this this principle of encouraging you to jump between different movements and patterns challenge yourself and it also makes training fun it's not as tedious of doing four or five of the same thing and this is where one of the things that comes in, I want Jacko to touch on about deliberate practice and it being fun, is that sometimes if you're doing wall kick-ups and you say, right, I've got to have 10 minutes of, of wall kick-up practice, it's often quite easy to get frustrated with that. And you go, I'm really, oh, I can't get it. I'll keep falling over. And then in that block practice, you're sort of trying to, like, oh, it just gets, it gets a, bit, a bit sort of demoralizing. Whereas in a variable of practice approach, you hit it 
and then you've got something to move on to next. You're not sort of like waiting till you've conquered or, or mastered that thing for that session. So it keeps practice really varied and it's doing a ton of really positive stuff for, your, for, you, for the general skill acquisition process. Yeah, I think uh, there was one thing I just wanted to touch back on before we go into that, of um, what you say about that difference between that internalizing and, and, and having those external cues. I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment, um, The Use of Self, the Alexander approach, which is, I think, isn't it, FM Alexander, where he actually talks about the fact that um, and it's, e it's even worse when it's something you're doing that's completely brand new. But effectively, this notion that the feeling of, uh, the feeling, the internal feeling we have when we're performing something, um, some sort of movement or whatever it may be, that as feedback is often hugely flawed. And actually, what you're doing and you, what feels right is often what your body is just finding that sort of that path of least resistance, that that easy way to do it that it that it just sort of goes to naturally, or how uh, what it just finds easiest is often not anywhere near what you think you're doing. Um, so we have this like disconnect between what you're feeling when you're in your handstand and what you think you're doing between actually what's happening. Um, and that's where having some of those external cues are good for like trying to make those shapes happen. But the other thing that I want to encourage people to do with their particular the handstand stuff, because when you go upside down, you get a bit confused of where your where your hips are and when your legs are in relation to each other, is to actually video um, video yourself doing those exercises and getting some of that feedback and going, okay, is what I'm now seeing on the video actually what I the sort of image I was playing of myself in my head and is that matched up with that internal feeling of I thought I was doing the right thing am I actually or actually am I quite a way off and you'll give, be able to give yourself loads of coaching um, by just literally watching your video back and here's a fun fact about video Tim that um, a lot of people might not necessarily know um, about video and when you do video yourself training you don't actually have to post it on social media um, so it can just be a tool that you're going to use to give yourself some some feedback and that, that was a joke obviously you put it on social <laughs> it's good <laughs> no. but um, you, it's a massively helpful tool we've been doing lives every every um, 11 o'clock in the mornings recently and it's made I've, I've noticed that because I'm literally watching the video of what shapes I'm making my body it's so useful to have that ongoing during um, training to actually see where, where how you are you actually moving and making those adjustments based on real feedback rather than just the feedback internally I think this feels right because often that feeling as in the Alexander approach that is in this book the use of self um, is often nowhere near <laughs> what is actually happening so I think that's a really good really important point just to add on to that around particularly in a handstand where you're upside down because we're confused we might confidence might be struggling we might be worried about falling over there's a whole host of things going on in your brain at the same time yeah, and I think that's, that leads us quite nicely into this, just understanding this skill acquisition process and the, and the stages that you're going to move through. Because it's, it, there are sort of like, again, the, the evidence base sort of suggests, and this is, you can pick up lots of different motor, motor science, um, motor control research, and, and they're not really nailed down on it. But I would say that this, from what we've seen from a practical perspective, is super simple, but it also is, is fairly accurate. 
And we've got three stages that we're effectively going to move through. And the first one is going to be our cognitive phase where we're having to put a lot of mental attention and focus onto just achieving whatever the movement or skill is that we're trying to learn. So if we're going to start people in a frog stand, for example, when you first begin a frog stand, you are having to concentrate on everything. What body position you're in? Have you got your hips stacked up? What are your fingers doing? Are your forearms vertical? Have you got your hips in the right position? All of this stuff is going on. As you start to progress through that that phase, you're going to find that progression is really quick. You're going to start to feel the gains in that quite quite rapid. Um, you're going to fail a lot and efficiency is not great, but you're going to start to see some really good progress, which is massively encouraging. Sooner or later, you're going to move through to something called the associative phase, where your central nervous system and brain is starting to piece this puzzle together. So you'll get into a frog stand without really thinking about it. It will just kind of, you'll put your knees in the right place, your fingers will start doing the right thing, and you'll start to connect it. And then that might leave some sort of cognitive attention available for you to be able to think about getting your hips a bit higher or to maintain a bit more pressure down into the ground because you've mastered the basics of just balancing. That's a really good phase to get to because we can start to direct more focused attention to the elements that we need to that we're struggling with or we're trying to learn or need to focus on. The problem is that this phase can take quite a long time, and often people will find they plateau during this. And the same thing if we take our top-down approach would apply when someone kicks up to the wall and they're trying to just learn that balance to take two feet off the wall, so they can actually basically hold a handstand against the wall with the wall for for support and correction if you need it. It can feel really difficult and you can fail a lot. Now, just to give you some context, I don't like the numbers um, because I think it's sort of, it, um, it, it restricts it a little bit, but it does give us a, a bit of a, um, a good indication of, of how long it's going to take. So in the cognitive phase, they say that roughly that might last for, for something like a thousand repetitions and give or take a little bit on that because it's a very, very broad model. In the associative phase, they suggest it's going to take between 1,000 and 10,000. So that's a massive portion of time where you've got to practice to, to, to break through that and, and reach the um, autonomous phase where basically things are just happening on autopilot. It's, sub, it's now unconscious, this skill, which for, for people that have mastered the handstand will know you can get up into a handstand most of the time. You've got to focus on a few variables, but 90% of it is most of the time locked down. And that, that associative phase, and, and that's a bit that I want to touch on, that's something else we've included in the programs, is just the real hardest bit to battle through because people get disillusioned, frustrated, and it doesn't feel like they're getting any better. And sometimes that can be because of they need some rest, they're overdoing it. And other times it's just because, well, you need to push through it. But there is one thing we've included around um, range jacker, which you might want to pick up on about how we can then start to bust through those plateaus that we get in that middle stage. Yeah, I think one of the things is to like, from a mindset perspective of actually that that frustrating bit that's where all the gold is um so as well as talking about the sort of range and the variability of opportunities is going just flip our mindset around it's not we're not in a that only becomes frustrating if you're in a rush to get your handstand in a certain time now we want to encourage you to to enjoy that journey because it's in the frustrations is where you learn so much more about your body and your handstand and ultimately will give you when you explore uh, different options when we talk about like with different ranges is going to give you a more robust handstand that it's going to going to give you more options once you can well where you handstand and once you can do it what else you want to do with it um, so I think it's a really important point to just make and just sort of hammer home really is it isn't a rush. If you're in a rush and you're asking how long it's going to take and getting frustrated during that phase, yes, you're going to get frustrated, but 
understand that that frustration is actually where the gold is happening. That's where the learning's happening. When you start getting, when you're struggling to get it right, as Tim said, try to bust through those plateaus. Well, that's when you're doing probably like the most amount of learning. And when you know what isn't working, that's one way to know what's, what is working. So you're going to say something, Tim? Yeah. Yeah, only just full disclosure that Jacko and I have regularly got frustrated with skills because we're in a rush to do it. So we're like, you, we are, we, we can talk about this, but we have actually sort of, we have, over the years, have got much better embracing this process of, do you know what, I'm learning so much during this difficulty and that moderates the sense of frustration with not being able to do something that you want to do. And it's it's cool to be to get frustrated because it means you care, right? That's an important thing of having a goal about it. You want to, you want to achieve it. If you don't care, then it's not big deal yeah i'm not yeah we're not saying and i'm not trying to say there that this isn't going to be frustrating it's when the frustrations come how your what your mindset is like towards those and do you use it in a positive way um and yeah we i'm, I'm not 100 in like i could talk about this passionately because this is me to an absolute t like if you haven't been through those frustrations and had that um i don't think it would necessarily resonates resonates with you in the same way so yeah it's coming from a place of we have experienced this and we are trying to uh, encourage you to take uh, take an approach to it that is understanding where those frustrations come from so that when they come, because they're going to come, that you know what it's part of. And the final bit on that is that if you once you learn how to do your handstand, if it's taken you a long time and you've had a lot of frustrations, it's going to feel even more amazing once you accomplish it. And that's, that's something that is, that's gold. You can't, you can't buy that. And if it fast, when, when you're frustrated, you want it to go quicker and you want it to be easy. But actually, there's less satisfaction then once you can actually do it. Yeah, and that's the, that probably actually brings on to the, the fourth, fourth point. We'll come back to range in a minute. It's about time on task and deliberate practice. So we've got to make sure when we're doing our handstand training that it's, it remains fun. As soon as you get to that point where you're getting frustrated, effectively you're not creating the conditions where the brain is interested in learning. It's bored. Brain hates boredom. That's why social media is so effective because it, it gives us something to do when we're sat without anything else around us. We don't like, to, we don't like these periods of not doing anything. So if we can keep our practice fun and enjoyable while the brain's engaged and interested, we're creating a really good opportunity to create that new neural circuitry that we need, which is going to start to connect this movement pattern together. So short doses, high quality, make sure every time you're doing your stuff with your handstand it is high quality. You need to know the coaching points so that you can, and it goes back to Jacko's point about video in earlier, and you can execute, execute really high quality movement patterns because you're going to get what you train for. And if you allow your brain, or if you, you allow yourself to train with slow sloppy movement patterns and you're just kind of trudging through it because you feel like you've got to you're kind of bored and your shapes roll out like you're going to learn that that's going to be something which you're going to end up um fixing into your movement system it takes like the argument's sake again some arbitrary numbers but five thousand repetitions to learn a new movement and ten thousand to change an existing one it's so much more difficult so our encouragement is train when you are on it like train and learn well to start off with do these like this deliberate practice of structured process that we've got in the training programs but then also when you turn up you've got to you've got to be on it and when you're not on it or you lose your motivation or it doesn't feel like it's clicking anymore don't try and force it just back off and let and come back to it another day that is a hard thing to do i can speak from experience of that a hard thing to do don't believe the lie that's in your head going like oh i've lost it now because that day you came back and it feel it felt bad and your shoulder feels a bit niggly or your wrist hurts or whatever it is. You need to listen to the body and not worry that this thing is going to like disappear overnight. 
um, and actually yeah, the human give, give you human movement systems some credibility and that it survived for many millions of years um, based on having to learn skills to operate in, in in a range of different environments if if we lost them skills that simply then people would have would have forgotten how to throw a spear overnight um, long ago and then it would all died because they couldn't find anything to eat so let's uh, let's give ourselves some time on that one yeah 100 percent um do you want to talk about the range oh. then I want to talk about range jacket. Yeah, this sorry, is, this is I, messed up the, I messed up the order, didn't I? So I went off on a bit of a few it's different tangents. Right. No, no, it's good. It's good. We can come back because range is kind of a great way to bust through some plateaus and actually to solidify um, the skill acquisition process. And it's also a great way of just giving your brain a bit of a break because because we've we've stripped down a handstand to quite simple um, principles. We haven't included loads of different things that you can do. Um, and that's intentional because we want to make it simple. But what you can do is bring in your own sort of variety and excitement by training for range. And this is Jacko's uh, right up Jacko Street, something that he's done very well because he loves meddling with stuff, like little bits of things that you can play with. I was wondering, I was wondering why I was getting uh, any kudos for this bit. Um, it, this um, really got, I think it was a shout out to Glenn Stewart, the performance uh, director at um, the National Circus. We went for, um, well, we went down, we've been down a few times, I think now actually, spent and spent some time with, with Glenn um, and the coaching team there where, um, they have this this notion of rather than making something uh, getting better like linearly, like vertically, um, just progressing all the time. And I guess a, a weightlifting example is like just always trying to do a tiny bit more weight all the time, all the time, all the time. That's just like one way to progress something. And it's very linear, it's very vertical. Whereas um, part of this process where it's, particularly with the hands, as you were saying before, right at the beginning, Tim, right? It's, it's, it's less strength and it's more skill. And some people use the word skill in the context of like describing different calisthenics movements, like a planche is a, it's a, it's, I'm working on my skills, it's one of my skills, but it's basically just like a lot of strength. Whereas something more intricate like balancing on your hands is skill, more of a skill in terms of how you would like define skill as a fine motor control type of movement. Yeah. yeah. Just on that, there's, there is some connection in terms of learning the skill of a planche, but I don't know anybody who's weak in terms of gym strength or body weight strength who can do a planche, whereas there's lots of people who are not strong that can do a handstand, if that's fair. Like in terms of like strength kind of to like, yeah, do you know what I mean? That sounds like I'm, dis I'm being mean to people. I'm not. It's just you don't have to be strong to do a handstand. It's just a fact. Yeah. Um, and the... And then so in one, so just giving that context of like there's just the term skill and why this bit is relevant. Um, when you're like, if you're trying to just get like super strong at something, the most efficient way to do that is like a very nice progressive overload, linear sort of vertical uh, overload progression of load. Whereas um, with the, with something like a handstand that says skill based in that, in that true meaning of the, the, the word skill, having lots of, options and that's where Tom's talking about range like a range of different things we're going to do so in our frog stand as soon as you find a frog stand easy rather than trying to jump to the next progression of taking one leg off which is just more making it harder in terms of a low perspective it's like well what about if you move your hand what about if you change your hand position and like well what do you mean we'll go i know we said start like shoulder width apart try a bit wider how's that feel what about a bit narrower or oh, don't like that what about actually offsetting them what do you mean offsetting them like that they're not perfect, yeah, and twisting one of them or just doing something to make it, just change the variable of difficulty rather than just trying to make it harder from a load perspective. 
that gives us a more robust, as we sort of described as a more robust movement pattern. It gives us more options. I and mean, you go, what about doing it on different surfaces? Okay, like textually, your hand is going to have different sensory input going in. That changes things. Um, and then like layer the strength on top of that, yes. But particularly when you're in a plateau uh, or you're in a bit where you're trying to bust through something, that ticks a number of boxes. It gives us a little bit more width to our practice. Um, but then it also ticks that box of it's a new stimulus. It's something a bit different. The brain starts to get engaged. It's like, okay, I was a bit bored of that before. As Tim was saying, when, when it starts to get boring, the brain doesn't like it, it's not going to learn. So giving it something a bit different, but in the context of the same skill that you're trying to learn and get strong in, but just going, right, I'm going to try this handstand with one hand on a pillow and the other on the floor. Or I'm going to do it outside on the grass because I've never done it on the grass before. Um, and then like... There's all sorts of things around, like with your handstands. Like we often do, like kicking up against a wall. Well, what about if you kick up against the wall, like at a bit of an angle? Like, what's that like? And then the other side, what's that like? Um, can you cartwheel into a handstand? Can you cartwheel out of a handstand? Like, very like playing with different options of coming into and out of the shapes and the positions that you're trying to make is ultimately going to give you um, more breadth to your training. A more that say that phrase a more robust movement pattern a more robust handstand that you can potentially do anywhere and that's important because when you've never done a handstand on sand before and you've only ever done it on the same spot on the floor in your garden or kitchen or wherever you do your handstand work and then you want to go and you're on the beach and you're like yes i'm gonna go get that holiday handstand photo I've been, I've been looking forward to and you've never experienced any surfaces that are a little bit different that's going to become more, that's going to instantly be harder for your brain to try and figure out. Whereas even if you've never done it on sand ever, but you've done it on every different piece of carpet in your house, you've done it on cushions and you've done it on concrete and you've done it on grass and you've done it on lots of different things, I guarantee you that when you go to do it on a brand new surface, even though you haven't done that surface itself, because you've done it on, say, 10 or 20 other ones, it's, it know, it's got some options of how, it, how your hands start to adjust to those different environments. And therefore, it's yeah. going to give you a better return for your training. The great thing about that, if you, if, if you put that into context, is the brain doesn't like perfect practice. It doesn't, it doesn't like to learn a perfect movement pattern. It wants variety because the brain isn't interested in whether you can, so let's take an example like running. So we, we learn to run when we're kids. But if you want to try and learn to run uphill or run on different surfaces, the same pattern applies you're still going to the same running mechanics are generally as a whole movement pattern are going to be consistent it just might be that when we do run up a hill we need to change the body angle slightly but ultimately we're moving in the same fashion so it wants the brain wants to have a catalog of movements which it can then it can recruit and it can stick new movement or new scenarios and environments um to so it can utilize these in different ways and that's really important from just a survival and adaptability perspective as human beings so all we're doing in, in this like the, the thing we're talking about with range is just we're testing out and we're broadening out the number of movement options that we have so that the brain has got more adaptability within the skill so it's it's just a really fun and effective way of just giving you more movement options so that when you start to then focus on moving in a specific way you've just got a little bit more capacity to play with you just your brain has just got more context it's a really easy way to get some quick wins um, and it's pretty fun because it brings in this play side of things as well can when we first started there was times when we we're in the gym where jack was like tim can you do a handstand on that beer keg in the corner of the gym i was like well i don't know i'll try but all of that sort of those little play things of just challenging yourself 
yourself all bring about a load of diversity and they just they they come together to to just give you much more robustness um, and adaptability within the skill so definitely have a play around with those yeah i think there's a nice one of they'll go okay if you take that on board you go right i am gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna handstand up to covid i'm gonna get on board this handstand train i'm gonna learn to handstand you know hopefully following our program it's gonna help you get there and you start to go Rather than being annoyed that you can't go to the gym or do what you normally do, you go, okay, I'm going to look at my environment. And I'm going to, rather than be restricted by it, I'm going to see how I can make it work best for me. And then you start to then get creative of like, take the principles and then you can start to apply them between, um, you know, what it is that's around you. And then all of a sudden this uh, being restricted at home becomes a different, like a different thing. You turn it into your little like handstand um, oasis where this is where I'm going to, I'm going to learn this new thing and I'm going to use the things that are around me to help me do that. And, um, you know, you flip it, you flip the current situation and you put it into a positive and you become a, a badass handstand hero at the same time. It's a win-win. There's, there's, some, <laughs> there's some really fun stuff as well, which this one messed me up entirely. When we went to the circus, um, James, the guy down there, said to me, well, give me a skill which you can do confidently. And I said, oh, I can handstand pretty competently. So he gets me up in handstand. He goes, now count up in threes. So I'm like, I'm starting to go through it. And then the, the mathematical task, which is not a strong point of mine, I was awful at maths. Three, six, so nine, twelve, fifteen. There you go. I got, I got, yeah, my math passed level one, but I got undone about level three, which was a, a handstand walk while I was counting down from 100 in sevens. And what it does is it, it removes my ability to cognitively focus on the movement and it forces me to think about something different. So now I'm taking away a sensory input, essentially. Uh, I'm reducing the amount of, of neural input that my brain is getting because I'm preoccupying. Um, it's probably my prefrontal cortex, I think. I'm going to check my neurology around that one. But the, the thinking brain about is, is now distracted. So I've got to rely more on movement skills and movement intuition. And it's just... Um, it's a really enlightening thing. You think you've got a good handstand? Well, now I try and do maths. And it was, <laughs> I was awful. That's it. It's mad. It's, but cool, it's cool, right? It's yeah. Good it's to put in. It, exactly. So it gives you, that's like literally giving you a different stimulus, but um, in a completely different way. Um, and it highlights to me and proves something that's very important for beginners that I always talk about at workshops, um, particularly when I'm doing beginners ones and people are trying to get into their first sort of wall handstand. And I always push the point of that you need to be, you need to create an environment that allows you to feel confident rather than worried. Because when your brain is focused on something else like worrying and fear, and remember the brain is interested in two things, prediction and protection. So if it's worried about, its prediction is I'm going to fall over and it's worried about the harm that's going to cause. Well then, all of that cognitive function that you want to be going into your handstand gets actually pushed into this idea of like worrying about falling over. And therefore that's why something like a, a, a gradual war walk allows us to, to do that in a, in a way that lets you focus on the skill and not the worry of falling over, which is exactly, it's just a, that's like at the beginner level, but then for, for where you were at, it was just the same thing, but just, just at a, at a different point where you're competent with your handstand and you just like give the brain something else to do. And then all of a sudden it yeah, yeah. starts to fall apart. So the flip side of that is when you're learning at the, at the beginning as a beginner, Give yourself an environment that allows you a whole, as much of your brain as possible to focus on what you're doing in terms of the handstand rather than putting yourself in a position where you're worrying about falling over. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope there's been some useful stuff in there for everybody. We've kind of covered some of the main um, 
components and elements of, of our approach in terms of how we we want to support people to learn to handstand um it's, it's pretty diverse there's some stuff in there but we're trying to make it as, as simple but as fun and but most importantly as effective as possible we know that um it's going to be a lot of people when they first start to learn to handstand that we're going to um it's going to feel impossible but with the right process then um, it's 100% achievable. You've just got to commit to it and put the time in because anybody who's got a, who's mastered a handstand has put some time in. Even when even if you're learning it as kids, it's different from as when Jack and I were sort of mid thirties and and broken from rugby. Um, of trying to learn a new skill like that, but it is a hundred percent possible. And if I can do it with having two shoulder surgeries and multiple dislocations and Jacko with his own history of shoulder injuries and never having done any gymnastics before, we've got a lot of confidence that this process is tried tested on, on some of the, the most physically disadvantaged people going. <laughs> yes. That's a very kind way to describe my physical capabilities. Tim. Thank you. I was trying to be politically correct and not swear. <laughs> So that is it for this week, guys. We hope you have enjoyed it. Normally, we would ask you to go and give us a five-star review on your favorite listening platform, iTunes and, and such like. But today, we won't do that. We'll have asked you to go and support um, and check out the Handstand program. And hopefully, this has been of value. And keep us posted, guys. We love to see people's training progress on social. Um, so if you're starting your Handstand journey, just tag us in. Find us on, on any platform. Um, and if we, it's Jack and I who still answer all of our, our DMs, and mostly Jacko, um, so we'll uh, we'll definitely like if you drop us messages and stuff, then we it's really positive, and we want to share that with the community and just encourage everybody to to get on board and uh, and do something really constructive with this time that we have on our hands at the moment. On our hands at the moment, we're going to finish on that pun, Jacko. The time we have on our hands, Dan. I like that. I like that. I'm, I'm done. I've got one last thing for people. If they want to get notifications of any of the live workouts that we're doing, any of the new challenges that we're doing, and any updates to the bodyweight basics that we've made for free then we have uh, set up a WhatsApp notification system for you. So if you text the number that's in the show notes, I don't know if it's off my head, unfortunately, I should have had that written out. But the number is in the show notes. It starts with plus four, four something, because it's UK. Number in the show notes, send a message to WhatsApp, uh, on WhatsApp saying, I want to join and uh, save that number to your phone and we will send you any updates of any live workouts that we're doing, um, any new challenges that are going on and uh, any updates to the free bodyweight basics program so that you can carry on working on your training at home as well as obviously learning to handstand because you're going to be handstanding up to COVID. People have probably grabbed their phones thinking I'm going to do that now. So here is the number. Plus four, four, seven, eight, eight, three, one, six, one, four, three, three. What do they need to text Jacko? I want to join. There you go. Well, you mean, essentially, you could just text anything. Plus four four seven eight eight three one six one four three three. If you text "I love Jacko," I'll send you a special prize. Yeah, oh, you mate, you've just asked for it now. Seeing if anyone's listening to the end. This is good. Uh, if you text, if you text, Tim is my favourite, then you'll get a better special prize. <laughs> <laughs> let's wrap it up guys thank you for joining us we hope this has been enjoyable for you um until next time class dismissed